0: chat. We're going to be talking about safety today, so thanks for tuning in. I'm Jenny Trey, Deputy Executive Director here at Row New York, and I'm joined by three of my colleagues, which I'm excited who I'm excited to introduce today. Um, this is a really important topic for us at Row New York. When we think about safety, it goes well beyond the boats and the boathouse and the physical safety of our students. We like to think about how our students are doing mentally and personally and also socially, how things are going with the team and is everyone feeling comfortable in the space that we're creating at Room New York. It's something you know that I and probably we as an organization um, don't take for granted and work really hard at every single day and kind of keep us really humble um, when it comes to running our programs successfully. So we're excited to chat more about that. Um, and so i'll turn it over i would love to introduce jackie her louie and peter if you can introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about what you do at row new york and kind of how you think about safety in our programs
1: sure Uh, thanks for having us jenny my name is jackie Kleinhans. i'm the manhattan youth program manager here at row new york Uh, my role is to serve as the head coach for the varsity teams that run out of the peter j sharp boathouse and to oversee the middle school and novice programs uh, that run there too. Safety is a big thing for us. Um, at, at the core of safety is safety out on the water, but we spend a lot of time with our student athletes and making sure that they're safe um, in their social units, that they feel safe coming to us to talk to us about anything um, and that they are mentally safe as well.
2: Hi, my name is Jorge Leon, the Director of Counseling and Youth Development Um, and so I work with the awesome awesome team here um, in support of both the coaching and the academic staff. Um, So I come into play in helping the students uh, get through moments of crisis and also addressing any safety concerns that are related to their social well-being and their mental health well-being um, and working with their families. Um, so it's a it's a great experience great work and my name is peter
3: costas i'm the director of rowing operations here at row new york and uh, my role i look at more of the usual practice operations and going to races and other special events we have at any of our sites and taking feedback from the coaches um and our staff and looking at um you know, really more in the physical environment, are we operating in a way that minimizes risk and accounts for both the usual rowing practice risk but also um, elements that are specific to our environment and our our context.
0: Great, thank you. I'm excited to learn from each of you a bit more. Um, so I guess just to level set and, and make sure that we're all on the same page, um, Peter and I were chatting just before this and Traditionally, in um, the rowing setting or the water sports setting, people are selecting in or self-selecting to be a part of something like that. Maybe they've had experience with it in the past, or um, their families owned a boat or have access to recreation um, on the water previously. At Row New York, um, we do a lot of recruitment and outreach and make rowing accessible to a group of students who maybe hasn't had the opportunity to participate in that before. So that comes with so many exciting um, opportunities, but also some challenges. Um, and I think when it comes to safety in, part- in particular, um, we have to think a lot about um, you know elements of safety that maybe other youth sports programs don't have to necessarily. And when it comes to rowing programs, we also have to think about unique unique things. So I'd love to just think about that for a second. What um, when it comes to, let's kind of focus on the physical safety here, so when it comes to the rowing, um, athletic, um, traveling portion of what we do at in New York, what do we have to think about at Rural New York that's kind of unique to what we do?
3: Yeah, so I think in um, different clubs that I've experienced with, the uh, sort of threshold of Uh, swimming safety particularly it's it's a sort of opt-out so to speak that the parents will tend to just sign a waiver saying my child knows how to swim and 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 that sort of covers the the liability standpoint Um, you know from what you talked about in an environment where there's a lot of access to swimming lessons and going to you know the beach and and having um, you know experience around boats and out on the water for us, I think, I think feedback is, is really the key element in terms of both um, the coaches observing and, and looking at kids at an individual level, but um, also us making sure that our, our swim lessons, our swim certification reflects um, you know, sort of actual practice environments to, to say that are we, are we seeing that all the kids look comfortable and, and safe out on the water? And if not, what, what might need to change with our sort of processes around, um, you know, saying that those kids are, are ready and, and, uh, and safe, but also feel safe mm-hmm. um, out there. So I, I, think, I think for us there, you know, and, and really anywhere in, a, uh, you know, in, a, in an urban environment where there's, there's just less uh, fewer swimming pools around, there's just that added layer of, okay, we need to, we need to have a way to track How comfortable kids are out on the water, which exists everywhere, but potentially to a to a greater degree, Mm -hmm. in New
0: York. Yeah, Jackie, how does it work on your team?
1: Well, I think one of the the most exciting and also biggest challenges are students who are not as comfortable with the water. It is really fun, sort of introducing them to how the water is a place to be respected, but also making it funds so that they um, learn to love being out on the water. So some of the things that we do is carefully, um, once our teams have formed in the fall, we carefully go over with them all, you know, the standard U.S. rowing safety regulations, but we show them and teach them how if when you're wearing a life jacket, if you fall into the water um, it, it will help um, keep them buoyant and allow us to rescue them. And then when we Run our actual swim lessons we work hard to make those not just about learning how to swim but about how to have fun in the water so when students spend two or three weeks really working down and drilling on their skill drilling down on their skills and they they reach a big milestone um, we have a, a fun day where they get to play with toys in the pool and get to try new challenges like jumping into the pool that's a big thing for our student athletes being able to not start actually in the water but jump into the pool because it requires um, sort of a different skill set of being able to stabilize swim back up to the surface another game we play is is putting pool toys down at the bottom so they have to swim down and get it Um, and There's a lot of emotions connected to swimming as well. Uh, Many of our seniors will um, speak about how in their first few years at Row New York, um, passing the swim test was extremely difficult for them and and how rewarding it was for them to see their improvement over time. Um, So for the coaching staff, it's really, sort of trying to remove the barrier that the water creates, and um, making learning about the water and respecting the water um, fun for student athletes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine that's gotta be a balance, because you don't want want our students to be so scared of the water that they're afraid to get in, but also have this kind of respect for it, as you said. Um, how, do you see, you know, we ha- we serve seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth graders in their first year here. Do you see a difference between ages when it comes to that comfort and that learning curve at all? Um,
1: actually, no. It just depends on. Me- it, it all comes down to meeting that individual where they're at, and mm-hmm. some of them will be um, more comfortable with just taking a swim test altogether, even with their other peers, even if they know that maybe their swim skills, swimming skills, aren't as advanced, um, whereas others really need that individual time uh, and want to take the swim test by themselves because they're afraid of um, what it might mean if they don't do as well. So um, I've seen that in our younger athletes. I've also seen it in our older, and I think it relates to confidence and their past experiences in interacting with the water.
0: Right. Yeah, and swim lessons take so much time for you guys, right? It's sort of, quote unquote, away from rowing, but it's a life lesson that will stick with our students well beyond their time here at Row New York and their time even rowing. Um, so that's something that really gets me excited about what we do. Yeah. Um, are, when it comes to time at the boathouse and actually getting in the boat, what are, um, what are you guys thinking about? Like, you know, when you first introduce a student to Row New York and it's their first day on the water, how are we thinking about safety and how are we getting? Students aware of that beyond swim lessons?
1: Um, One of the things that we do, especially in teaching our students about the water, is to um, just walk them through the process of why we're making the decisions that we're making. So today we are able to go out on the water for the first time because you know you've learned all the skills you need to learn on the ERG, you've watched the safety video, this is how the coaches have assessed the water conditions, and we feel that you are. We we build them up and make them feel confident and ready to take those first steps out on the water.
3: Um,
1: yeah, and
0: again, I, I imagine it's probably a lot about like knowledge and knowledge is power and just teaching that and taking taking time for that.
1: Yeah, by the time they come to the boat, they they feel confident in their abilities yeah. to to sort of work with the equipment we're giving them.
0: Oh, well, what are you gonna add, Peter? Yeah, and
3: I think I think uh, speaking to the coaches as well, that this this spectrum on the extremes of being uh, fear, anxiety, and on the other end, uh, hubris or, or sort of overconfidence, both being coming from a place of lack of, of knowledge or experience. To say that at one end you, you don't know what will happen, um, and and that can you know, be terrifying. On the other end, you you aren't aware of all the potential risks, um, and. So from a from a coaching standpoint as well, I, I think starting off the bat, that's that's sort of a similar thinking, um, and and why we are, are going through the uh, sometimes difficult process of having all of our coaches get a U.S. Uh, boating license, um, which you know we we have uh, boats with the nine point nine horsepower. It's not required, um, but from the same place that. Um, you know, creating an environment where it can be fun to challenge yourself out on the water and be aware of all um, all the sort of risks, but be comfortable in your ability to uh, assess and act on them. That um, being important for the, the student athlete level, that, that that really starts in my mind with the coaches and them being as comfortable and as, as sort of aware of all the, the possibilities out on the water. Um, so really, it's we, we just run the, the aluminum um, launches with the 9.9s for the most part, and it's, you know, operation is relatively straightforward. We've all been at a rowing club where they hand you a gas tank and say, okay, go follow that boat that's already yeah. launched. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, I do think it's really important to um, take a step back and, and potentially hit a few redundant questionnaires on the online test that, that walk you through what are. What are the decision uh decision making processes for other boats out there and what what can you expect um, from people you're sharing the water with um increases that comfort level
0: yeah you're right we all have been at that club where they're like here's your here's your gas container and there's your launch and that's your crew good luck um i know amanda has told that story about where she first started coaching um so what do we we i think it's Just to say like it's really difficult to do what we do and be that club that says here's your here are the keys um so what do we do in terms of coach training and getting even coaches comfortable um on the harlem river is really unique but across all three boroughs and um, can you talk a little bit about our our training and um,
3: right right so we have we have a few certifications we require one being um the The boating license uh, we require the cPR first aid a d um, training and um, and also the the safe sport um, certification for for all three areas um, and then from a practical sense, we also run a um, you know, relatively casual but a, a walk through a safety walkthrough um, for all uh, new coaches at each site, um, which we encourage our experienced coaches to attend. As well, which which they they um, they do, and it, it contributes to a communicative boathouse. Um, and then, as well, um, something we're launching this year is having um, sort of coxswains more involved in that process as well, and, and um, you know, really starting to say that really before a coach or a coxswain launch to know that they're on the same page and and to avoid that that uh, that picture of a, a boat. Sort of launching into the distance as you're still um, starting your engine, being the nightmare scenario. To say that, really, the the, the heart of a practice running well is is every coach Cox and coxswain communicating well and being on the same page and being um, sort of loaded with uh, with knowledge. Um, but that's that's for the most part what we look at before um, any any sort of crew takes their first stroke with yeah. a. With a new
0: and Jackie, you've been a part of these trainings for three, four years now. Yeah. Um. So you can, would love your perspective on that, and then how you kind of create a culture of safety with your students um, beyond the orientation process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Harlem River is a unique place. So we do everything Peter um, laid out, and then we we take it a step uh, a step further in terms of the. Specifics to the Harlem River because it doesn't have a, a soft shore in many places. It um, wakes will bounce off and reverberate. There's not a lot of safe places to land a shell, and then also there are a lot of curves. So, trying to get the new coaches to learn the names of the bridges is important, so that when if they ever get into trouble, they know which bridge they're at, exactly where on the water they're at. So when they make a safety call, they can. Um, Uh, Speak to that and then also pointing out, you know, we share the Harlem River with um, some, you know, the population of Manhattan and um, some big, pretty big boats like the Circle Line and the Manhattan that go around the city. So, pointing out to our new coaches where their shells need to be on the water um, to avoid if, you know, a big boat were to come around the corner to avoid any sort of safety situations. Um, So, we spend a lot of time doing that as well. Uh, In terms of creating a culture of safety at the boathouse, um, it's really my job to set the expectation at at Peter J. Sharp in terms of how the coaches make decisions about the weather and how they are um, training uh, their students uh, to react and behave. So one thing I go over with them a lot is how to properly make choices about the weather and whether to go out um, if I'm not there. Um, And then we try to be really, really approachable um, to our student athletes and let them know that um, it's a safe place. And we want them to be able to come and talk to us if they ever feel unsafe. Um, And I think we've done a really good job of that. And um, our students, we we measure that often through surveys. um, And our students feel like they can come speak to us and, and know that we will take action if they feel unsafe. We won't just write what they
0: say off absolutely yeah and that's so important when it comes to mental health and safety as well Um, before we go there though um, just would love to know Peter from your perspective what is it like running facilities and operations and handling safety in a club that's across all three boroughs or three of the five boroughs in New York City and how does it vary depending on the location yeah
3: and it's it's something that I think the the most important element for me is to to start with you know having started eight months ago that I I don't I don't know the the context of of all three locations perfectly that something that exists in a document is not going to speak to mm-hmm. perfectly where the warm-up run should be, what the most dangerous turn on that that river is, um, and what what's specific to those those contexts. Um, is is going to be the, the safe the safest sort of policy and decision based in reality and not based on, sort of my understanding, brought from another context. Um, that said, it's it's a lot of um, it's a lot of uh, sort of communication with our experienced expert staff and leaving the opportunity open um, for feedback um, as, has been what's what's helped me get up the curve. Um, here and and, uh, in, and achieve a better understanding. Um, so I'd say, ultimately, that, that ties into the last thing we, we want from the sort of onboarding process is that every new coach understands that they're a part of sort of the information gathering um, that's going on to say that every, every month, really, the context can change a little bit if a new um, you know, Wave Runner rental uh, shop opens up down the river, if, um, if it becomes the new um, you know, hangout spot at a particular time of night, um, we, we sort of never want to get, um, or I, I hope to never be so arrogant that there's no sort of new feedback on, on that context that uh, wouldn't inform um, how we, we change policy. But um, to say that otherwise, there, there are obviously sort of core elements that apply to all three, but it's really where Jackie and the program managers come in and, and their understanding and years of experience at that site where it, it gets tailored to um, the context of each of the three boathouses.
0: Absolutely, yeah, so it sounds like a common theme is feedback, communication, approachability, and when it comes to safety, and probably that relates really closely with mental health and safety. Um, so for Louis, would love to hear from you um, about how we, how that works in your role and how you work really closely with Peter and with Jackie and with the other staff at Rohr New York to make sure that we're not only aware of our kids' physical safety at Ro New York, but really and um, really importantly and, and normalizing mental health and um, social health as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, New York is in one of the most, you know, diverse cities in the world, um, culturally, uh, social, economically. And so being at different sites and understanding the communities that we're in, um, our students have different experiences. And and just the nature of working with both middle school and high school students, that alone comes with some of the development that every youth experiences. Um, So with that... You know, um, we do take into consideration, you know, safety concerns that are related to housing stability, food security, um, violence, whether within the community or maybe bullying in the school, Um, and then the emotional crisis that comes along uh, as our our youth develop. Um, And so some of the work that that is done is uh, twofold. One, working directly with the students um, and providing crisis counseling. Uh, workshops that are related to uh, social and emotional learning topics um, and also working very closely with the academic staff and the coaching staff um, because they have the, op- they've had the opportunity to develop some really positive relationships with the students so they get to learn about them um, it gets to know them very well and so um, oftentimes they can notice when the students may be in need or the students uh, have that confidence in reaching out to their coach or the academic staff and letting them know that they would, uh, they would like some additional support on certain things. Um, and so in order to make that happen, we, we coordinate together, so we do have meetings where we discuss the students on how they're doing, how they're progressing both academically at school, within the tutoring program, and as well as how they're doing athletically um, and that gives us an opportunity to really fully support the student um, in a way that's uh, more holistic. Um, and we're connecting the dots of their families, their school, the row New York staff, um, and any community uh, service providers that might be of assistance depending on what the students need.
0: Cool. Yeah. So it's kind of you guys so how do like on a practical sense or louie and jackie if something comes up um you know how does that work out that you work together
1: well the coaches are very fortunate because we get to see sort of the students always in their in their best light right Mm -hmm. because they come to practice they're excited to be participating in a sport they're excited to be having fun and we're mentors but we're not necessarily their parents and the Uh, Or were not their parents. (laughs) Um, But the advantage to that is that it's really easy for the coaching staff to identify when a student has a change. So, like, you you get to see, you have this, like, huge historical context of how they behave and um, what makes them happy and uh, what they get excited about. And then when they show up on a day and they're just slightly different, it's really easy for the staff to pick up on that, and Mm -hmm. that's really where Horloy comes in, and and where um, being able to work with him um, is so helpful, because when we notice that change, we can speak to Horloy and uh, come up with a plan um, to address whatever's going on with that student, and it happens really quickly, um, because we are able to notice it so fast. Mm -hmm. Um, so, to answer your question, um, we work closely together, and it, again, it comes back to that communication is the key.
0: Yeah, and I think in our society, um, we're just starting to have maybe some professional athletes talk about mental health and their experience with it, and that's, for me, that's been such, such an exciting thing, because I think and no one is exempt from potential mental health issues or challenges, and... Um, I just wondered if, from any of your perspectives, um, you know, in the world of sports, it's about grit and working hard and not giving up and all of these things that like just require so much mental strength and how you balance that, which I also I do think is important in the sports world. But also, it's okay to be vulnerable and to have issues um, and challenges that you're facing when it comes to mental health and not feel great in some moments and and you know, need, need to have a break or um, take a day off or things like that. So just anybody have any thoughts on that balance?
3: Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, sort of speaking as a rower and, and to Jackie's point, I think um, the, unique, the unique value in, in sport um, from our perspective on sort of the supply side is exactly that, that it, it is so demanding that any, any change is, is made obvious in sometimes literally numbers, um, that there's, there's something um, quantitative to speak to um, as an indicator that otherwise um, might not sort of show up on the radar on, on a sort of daily um, cycle without, without something so demanding. Um, I also think that, um, that um, as you said, sort of the, the culture of communication um, sometimes you know either, either as a coach or in in really any role understanding when you aren't in a position to be that communication channel mm-hmm. for someone that you know and coming from a school environment it was you know maybe checking in with an advisor or or parents that um, in some ways we, we are we are sort of limited in in a coaching role as to you know, setting lineups and, and generating goals and expectations for a student-athlete that, um, you know, it, it's why it's so valuable having Or here that it can it can absolutely sort of take a little bit of the air out of the balloon on the sort of coach-athlete relationship and allow a, uh, a, a communication channel that, um, you know, especially in the student size, doesn't complicate their,
2: their sort of standing on the team, so to speak.
0: Some on that
2: yeah yeah I, I think i think it's definitely a balance between grit and resilience like there's two different things so like the grit is kind of knowing like okay how much of this is me just trying to push through and dig in deep on, on athletically and then how much of it is where i may need to ask for help on something and resilience is really just kind of being able to know um or self-monitor like okay let me reflect. Like, what am I struggling with? What can I? What skills can I use to cope with what I'm struggling with? And at what point do I ask for help or seek for help? Um, so that way, I can continue pursuing that healthy grit and performing well athletically. So it, it's it's a fine balance. Sometimes it's tough to know when and where. Um, but I think the students with the support of the coaches. Um, and the supports of the program staff and with the counseling it, it'll help them kind of identify better where that lies that balance um, and then we can then support them through that
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah our students are under so much pressure from um, academics from from rowing from um, all college applications SATs, families you know every every uh, part of their lives puts a demand on them and um, I think the key is for the coaching staff um, to make sure that we stay approachable. We want our student athletes to come to practice every day and to work hard. Um, that's sort of the expectation, that's the goal. But when a student is struggling under the weight of you know, too much homework or they have their SAT, uh, I have a lot of students taking the SAT tomorrow, so you know, they're taking today off just to um, get themselves reset and uh, put themselves in a position to be able to perform well um, tomorrow and get, get some good rest, maybe some extra study time. So I think it comes down to balancing the expectation that they show up and they work hard with the realistic uh, implications of the, the life that they have and um, being understanding and making accommodations for our students where um, they need it the most.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you think about how much our students are with us, like, one day off is, it's, it's a good thing, actually. They're with us six days a week, over a thousand hours each year. It's a lot, and I think I speak probably for all of us when I say above anything else, whether it's fast boats or the highest SAT um, score, it's our kids' safety and their mental health and their physical health and just um, their happiness and their joy and um, what they get out of life. Um, So I think it's really, sounds like what you're saying is like knowing your students really well, probably knowing when to push them, knowing when to pull back, um, and that takes a lot of time. And I guess like Jackie, from your perspective, how do you make sure you are getting that chance um, to get to know your students beyond like their ERG score or their GPA, um, things like that.
1: Um, I think for me, it comes down to those little moments that you get before um, and after practice, like from 4.30 to 6.30, that's our programming time. But our students um, at Row New York and students everywhere, they love being at the boathouse, they come early, they wanna help, they stay after. So taking the time when they show up to the boathouse to, hey, you know, eight of you are here. Can we go rig this boat and let's talk about what's actually going on in your lives Mm -hmm. Um, outside of rowing, not just like the race that's upcoming, not just, um, you know you know, what seat they're going to be sitting in that day. So I think it's really important to have that connection because you want to be able to check in with them about how they did in the play or, you know, their, their sister's upcoming ski trip weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, these things help you uh, form a connection with them and uh, make, it, it's really important to, to let them know that you care about them more than. then than just as an athlete. And I think that's particularly true in our program, but I think that any good coach at any any program would do something like that, know their students beyond um, what they're just doing in the boathouse.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and our programs are so diverse, kind of in every sense of the word. Um, And for me, I think safety when it comes to mental health and social safety is so much about inclusion and making, not just diversity, but do people really feel like they belong in this space? So can we talk a little bit about um, what that looks like at Row New York?
1: One of the things we do um, have in the Boathouse is uh, just the statement that hate has no home here, and it's translated to many languages, Um, but we... The students, it's, it's, the students come from all different backgrounds, and we expect them, we teach them to, to work together. And um, there's no difference of expectation. Like, mm-hmm. we just lay down, they're a team, and it, it works just like any other team.
0: Yeah, and I think you do work really hard to make sure that people get to know each other through being on the same boat or doing team building activities. Really, what were you going to add
2: yeah, I th- um, one of the one of the um, sometimes the barriers or hurdles to uh, to safety is uh, being able to navigate or access support services mm-hmm. um, and so at, at rural New York like our staff are, are, are very diverse as well and so in the counseling side we've needed to reach out to the families to help further support the students and sometimes uh, English is there as a second language for the household and so to be able to communicate them in their language or being able to connect, not just the students, but their families, to services that um, can adapt their cultural needs and, and linguistic needs um, has been huge and very helpful for the Roanier families. So
0: cool. Yeah. yeah, I
3: think as well, uh, you know, more from an operations uh, standpoint, um, you know, I always think about what what are we doing that sort of communicates uh, cooperation and. A sense of camaraderie among coaches across programs. Um, you know, are we are we having um, you know are we having sort of onboarding that um, you know it, does it does it is it overly um, pointed towards towards performance and are we sort of valuing um, you know high performance teams more than you know our, our other programs are we are we being thoughtful of um, kind of how we're positioning, um, you know, as, as, especially onboarding is on my mind right now. Yeah. Is, is what we're going through, but just the full the full year's schedule. Do we afford the opportunity um, for all the coaches to get to know one another in a in a casual setting, and and do they they feel like they're on sort of even footing to communicate? Um, because ultimately, and what I'll be sort of more involved in is is if if. You know, in, in terms of contributing to an inclusive environment, if if our coaches um, you know feel like their their needs are being heard, um, you know, for their practice and that that there's sort of a sense of cooperation among among the the different programs and the different sites, um, you know, I think that ultimately you know kids kids ages twelve to eighteen sort of pick up on on everything their coaches are doing. So if, if they're sort of carrying a, a resistance or, or resentment or a sense of zero-sum game in the, in the boathouse, um, that, that'll be sort of carried into the kids as well. So, um, so I think really every effort to, um, you know, create a, create a cooperative um, and, and communicating environment and, and following that up in, you know, not just in concept, but in, you know, putting actual things on the calendar um, as much as just grilling some burgers on a Friday after practice for everyone, um, those mm-hmm. those types of things do um, do really resonate in in um, what the kids are observing every day and how the adults are conducting themselves. Right?
0: Yeah, mm, burgers sounds good. Yeah. Here at ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So one very cool element about our programs is that we compete so we travel um, there's not a ton of other programs here in New York City that we compete against but it's the one thing that our students probably love most is racing and getting a chance to compete against other crews Um, but that also comes with some safety challenges when it comes to actual travel staying overnight in hotels um, being in a different city Getting on a different body of water. Can we talk a little bit about um, that and what we do when it comes to travel safety?
1: Sure. So we have a lot of policies in place in terms of you know how it is and how it isn't safe to travel with our student athletes. Um, so one one really good example of that is 15 passenger vans. You know we have policies that limit sort of the distance that we can take students in those vans uh, versus 12 passenger because. There's obvious safety implications with um, those types of vehicles. Um, we take care to train our drivers. Um, and then for longer distance uh, travel, we tend to hire, hire buses. Um, so when we go up to Saratoga Springs, we're typically in a coach bus, maybe supplemented with a van, but um, most, of our coaches, most of our coaches then get to ride instead of having to be the responsible driver. Um, Where any coach knows that regattas can be long, um, and so it's important to uh, make sure that there's, you know, trailer drivers who are more well rested, and trailer drivers who are not responsible for driving students. So we do. The bottom line is that we do a lot of logistical planning around um, who's responsible for driving, if anyone, making sure that they have the appropriate certifications in place in order to be able to drive our students. Um, and then, otherwise, planning and booking, using our resources to plan and book mm-hmm. buses. In terms of actual hotels, like it comes down to setting the expectations of our students. One thing that I do from a logistical standpoint is try to stay away from booking hotels that have doors that access the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the hotels to be in, um, have indoor doors. Um, just because then no stranger off the street could come knock on our, one of our students' uh, hotel rooms. Um, we, When I put students in rooms, I try to do it based on age so that you don't end up having, because especially on the varsity team, we have a pretty wide, wide range, right? We have 19, uh, 18 year olds um, and potentially 14 year olds. And so I try to stay away, or I do stay away from putting 14 year olds in a room with an 18 year old. Um, and we set clear expectations for the students like we expect you to be in bed at this time um, in your rooms you know lights out um, and our kids are great kids they follow the rules we don't um, we don't usually have problems with them. They want to go fast right? I
0: need all the sleep I can get. (laughs) Exactly
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, In terms of Foreign bodies of water, we work with the coxswains to sort of describe the space and we show them course maps and we bring them to the uh, coaches and coxswain meetings. Um, we want them to be set up, like they are interested in that because they want to go fast, mm-hmm. right? So they, they want every advantage that they can get from, you know, taking whether it be on a river that has current trying to be in the middle or, you know, taking the straightest line possible if it's a head race. Um, so they're interested in the body of water in that perspective, which is great for us because we're interested in it. Is like, okay, these are the things you need to really look out for. So that, that works out well. Um, and then as much as we can, it's uh, not perfect and not every regatta offers this, but on, um, oper- we try to take opportunities to be able to practice on the course before um, an event. And um, whenever we can do that, we take advantage of it. And then last but not least, institutional knowledge. So we, you know, we have a lot of coaches who have been coaching on the East Coast for a long time who have perspectives on different bodies of water. And then coxswains who are older who help train the younger generation as they get older um, and as they graduate out of our program. Did I miss anything?
0: That's, that's great, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, thank you for shedding some light on that. Did you wanna add anything? Yeah,
3: I think I think that was really comprehensive, and and the only thing I'd, I'd sort of add is um, we really see as one of the the um, you know, sort of greatest risks. We try to avoid risk anywhere, um, but outside of you know the the boats out on the water um, transporting kids in the vans um, is uh, you know it's it's you know, relatively complicated. It's why we have sort of firm. Parameters around it, and I think where really um, theory and practice meet on on that is is actually having a, a fairly restrictive process for for signing off as an organization for um, you know who your um, people driving driving the kids around are. Um, so I, I think you know beyond just saying we'll we'll run an observation, um, having a, a pretty detailed checklist and. Um, we've, we've failed people on that before, which is very uncomfortable and it's very time consuming. Um, but then also working with them, walking through sort of what um, it is to be driving a heavy vehicle with um, teenage kids and, uh, and that sort of whole aspect, which Jack absolutely covered. But just sort of to reiterate that um, that in my mind is um, from from an operational standpoint, that's that's the one that you know, I'm focused on the most. Um, the trailering as well. Um, we're working towards um, getting more trailer drivers. It's tough in New York City to to practice. Um, you know, coming from um, out in uh, uh, Connecticut, it's, it's a little easier to pop on, you know, a, a back road and, and give someone a, a few reps without... It being too consequential for us, our trailers are stored right next to 495, and you end up in the Midtown Tunnel if uh, if yeah. you don't take the uh, the exit right away. We so we don't
0: have everyone volunteering a trailer around hundreds of thousands <laughs> of dollars <laughs> through Midtown Manhattan. Exactly.
3: So it's um so it's it's to me I, the the transportation questions it it um it's a combination as as Jackie put well of of um, sort, of, sort of larger policies and also planning for the reality um, race to race, which it um, again it, it takes um, a lot of, of planning and thought um, and experience with the context on the coach's part, and then um, and then execution, um, mm-hmm. you know, come the weekend of.
0: Great. Um, yeah, I was just kind of thinking also about the regatta scene in terms of New York City is one of the most diverse places in the world, and I think sometimes I am reminded when I go home to Pennsylvania, uh, the, the beautiful bubble, I, from my perspective, that we live in, in terms of progressive thoughts, and how inclusive, and uh, how much we value um, diversity just in general, and that's... Uh, it. Most rowing programs don't look like Row New York, right? So we are one of the most diverse programs probably in the world. Um, And our kids are smart. And I know that they've asked me when I've traveled um, to regards with them, like, wow, people look – like, a lot of people look the same. It's much more white and affluent and, wow, we really stand out here. I wonder, as we talk about inclusion and safety and feeling comfortable in all the spaces that Row New York – you know, operates. Have you had conversations with Louie or Jackie or anybody um, about this and how do you handle it?
1: Well, I mean, our our students have definitely made comments to the coaches at Regattas about how they are Mm -hmm. the most diverse team. Um, But in terms of how to handle it, um, from my perspective, that's only a positive for them. Mm-hmm. And so trying to point out that, you know, they may not look like every other boat that's out there, but that doesn't matter because they're rowing and mm-hmm. it's all about just rowing and, and racing next to to that other boat. So um, I think where it gets hard is when the other teams comment on it. Right. And. That, is, that has been my negative experience around mm-hmm. around this and how it hurts the feelings of our student-athletes. And that's when you have to have the, the hard conversations. And what's really unfortunate about that scenario is it typically happens on the water at the start.
0: Hmm. Where you're not there. Yeah.
1: And so you don't see it, and you can't sort of step in um, as an adult in that situation. And uh, you just have to... Rely on the resiliency of the children, and they are so resilient. And um, it obviously sparks a conversation when they get back to the dock. But that is that is the worst of it in terms of what happens at races.
0: Yeah, and Jess, I imagine you're very real with them, understanding that this is something that um, isn't unique to like the regatta scene necessarily, and it may happen in life, but continue to encourage them to be proud of who they are and celebrate that diversity on their team and, and beyond. Um, any other thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, just speaking of my experience back in in 2011 volunteering with Road York, it was, it was something that, um, you know, we had talked about sort of in, in concept, um, during onboarding, I, um, coming in, you know, really had no, you know, I, I, Pretty conventional experience with the the, the sport and all of its um, you know homogeneous kind of aspects that um, I think I think as Jackie said other other schools making comments or other programs making comments at races is is what I I at the time felt very unprepared for and I felt very sort of angry and defensive and um, and I think. Through experience in that season, and and you know, leaning on sort of more experienced coaches around me, it it did circle back to um, you know the some of the more conventional aspects of of all right, let's create our sort of competitive bubble for this race, let's tune out sort of the noise, um, but but that you know that type of noise needing to be followed up on and addressed, circling it back to sort of mission and what are the positive elements of of what we're doing for this sport. Um and, and the kids being A resilient, B, you know, smart enough to understand sort of the context of this is cool to be a part of, this is different, this is important. Um that you know circling it back to to sort of that larger mission and that the context of, of you know offhanded comments and, and general ignorance um, doesn't compromise that, but mm-hmm. um, but it is, is in a way related.
0: Right. And let's see what they can do on the water, you know. Um, when it comes to putting the oars in, in the water and, and going fast, we match up with, with them. So I think... Yeah, I think um, making sure that our students ultimately know that they belong um, is really important.
2: Yeah, Um, I I think the the coaches and the academic staff also try to take advantage of moments that are teaching moments. Um, So I think experiencing something like that, as unfortunate as it is, uh, it wouldn't be the only time that they would most likely experience that. I'm pretty sure they would experience Mm -hmm. it in the future, whether it's in the career or when they move on to college. Um, and so, you know, how to uh, turn some of the negativity of that experience um, and make it a strength, and kind of, you know, talk to themselves and say, "Well, I can prove that I do belong here." Um, you know, whether they're pursuing a career goal or an academic goal, um, and having that, you know, that resilience and that persistence um, is key. And I think in the youth development. World and in what Row New York is also trying to do, and, and trying to, you know, bridge the experiences of rowing to to life experiences and youth development uh, framework. Um, I think that, that that would be one example of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It it has been the experience of some of our alumni, and this would be a great um, podcast in the future to hear from them about that transition from Row New York whether it's the rowing team they're going off to at college or just college in general, which ends up um, for some of our students are going to a private school in a very different place, a predominantly white experience. Um, So I think that conversation kind of is super important to what we do and and to the students that we're working with. Um, So good for us to be aware of it and have conversations like this to prepare us for next time. Um, So I guess I wanted to start wrapping things up and really just thinking about each of your realms when it comes to safety at Roe New York. What is one piece of advice? If, if any listener took away one thing when it comes to what you do at Roe New York and what they should do in their programs, what is that one piece? Who's the brave soul to kick us off?
1: I can, I
3: can dive in here. Um, I, I think, I think uh, in terms of operations, there's there's clearly a lot of um, sort of prerequisite work in, in terms of setting up your policies and your and your and your plans, and a lot of uh, you know, some cost for lack of a better word. But um, my advice would be to um, sort of hold loosely to say being being firm in enforcing um, those policies is can be independent of um, being open-minded to how they can. Further adapt to the circumstances of of practice. Um, So for for us, it's that's the the sort of magic of it is we we have these three somewhat different contexts, and how do we sort of adapt what we're doing accurately to the 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 reality of each site? Um, That I think um, to boil it down, ultimately for for any other coach. be be firm in in enforcing your policies but again think about um, and and keep an open mind on the feedback you're receiving and how those policies might be further um, adapted to create a safe environment um, instead of holding on to um,
2: kind of what was invested in too tightly.
0: Right. Great.
2: Thank you. The advice I would give is is, uh, for folks not to feel like uh, they have to have all the answers, know everything, and do it all themselves. Um, I think just from the student's perspective, uh, they're the experts of what they're experiencing or what's happening in their lives, so they will often give you feedback that would really help you guide on, guide the direction of the programming. Um, and also to uh, be open to reaching out to outside resources um, and other departments within your organization to collectively work on any issues that come up and um, it helps it helps spread out the, the workload and it, and it also improves the the possibility of really um, attaining success and helping the student um that also is uh that also is in a way it's you're modeling to the students that if you don't know something or you need help you're also asking your your coworkers or your peers or others for for guidance and so uh, yeah, all together it's, it's a That would be the advice I would offer. That's great.
0: Yeah, it's a really good example for the students.
1: Um, As the coach in the room, I think my best piece of advice would be to build uh, trust with your student-athletes. Invest as much time into building that trust um, as you possibly can. Because when they trust you, they will... um, you know work hard for you on the water they will be more likely to come to you if they have an issue in their personal lives and uh, if there ever is an emergency situation they will listen and respond to your direction
0: wonderful Ah, oh, this is such a good conversation i think nothing is more important than, than safety um when I think back about the nine years here at Rural New York, um, I constantly hear myself saying, like, when people ask about safety or when I'm onboarding a new coach or something like that, I say, we generally don't we don't yell at our kids. Um, we don't raise our voice. It's really a calming um, kind of space, unless, of course, they want you to yell at them on the erg or something. But I say, so we don't yell at our students, except when it comes to safety, if needed. So I think that kind of speaks to the mental health and protecting our students when it comes to not yelling at them, making sure it's a safe and inclusive and, and, you know, motivating environment. And then also the importance of if there is an issue, make sure they know about it and you're doing what you can in that moment to make sure, yelling is not always the answer, but making sure that people know about it and you're taking some, um, you know, you're giving direction and taking some control there. So... Thank you um, I'm always humbled by the work that you're doing on the ground and the thought that you put into everything we do at Royal New York but especially when it comes to safety so thank you I think the lessons are communication building trust getting feedback being adaptable and, and really listening I think to yourself and to the students so thank you Thank you thank you.